Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. We're going to turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So what I'm going to talk about tonight, and I I have a question. I drove around all summer doing landscaping and put a lot of miles on in the truck and driving by these places, and I don't know if you all are uh, pay attention to a lot of this, but I go by these houses and I notice that they're either abandoned or they're really grown up. And I always ask myself when I go by, you know, I wonder who owns that place. You know, I wonder what happened there. You know, it's in disrepair. I know in some cases somebody may not have family and, and they may have passed away and it just, it just sits there and becomes abandoned and neglected over time, but it just always makes me wonder that, and I don't know if you ever do that, but even cleanup jobs, you know, you go and you're like, man, how did they ever let it get to this point? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, man, um, but it just happens, doesn't it? Um, so what happens to these houses? Where does it, how does it go from in one season, because some of these places that I'm talking about, you know, I start, started in April, and, and even by the end of the season, it doesn't take long before that begins to happen, and all the stuff begins to grow, and eventually, if they leave it long enough, it's going to start getting into the eaves of the houses, the trees get bigger, and it just gets worse and worse. So, I'm going to talk tonight, teach, whatever you want to call it, from this thought Reclaimed territory. Reclaimed territory. So, I'm going to start off with this. We live in a fallen world. There's so many distractions around us each and every day, most of which we don't have a lot of say over. I heard this preacher very recently that I was listening to, and he said, if we're objectively honest, there's much more misery than there is happiness. There's much more strife than there is peace. There's much more sickness than there is health. And so let's not paint a pretty picture of what we live in because it isn't very pretty. Because it's fallen. It's a fallen world. So we live in tough times. We're bombarded constantly by so many things, our time is allocated in so many different directions. The things that were supposed to give us so much more uh, time just turns into something that takes even more of your time. And what, um, so 
when I was thinking about all this and I was putting this together and I was studying for this, a scripture came to my mind. And I'm going to get to that in just a second, but I really feel like I want to tell you this. About 22 years ago is when I first went to church for the very first time. And when I got the Holy Ghost and I got baptized and I was saved, so many things changed at such a quick pace. You know, you have, if you grew up like me and you weren't in church all your life, you had friends that weren't in church, they weren't necessarily doing the things that you needed to be doing. Now, once God made that transformation, it's like, ooh, I don't need to be doing that anymore. And so your time gets totally changed around. You know, you used to, I used to think later on and be like, what did I ever do on a Sunday? Because, yes, what did I ever do? I really never could answer that question, but um, we didn't do nothing. That's what we didn't do. So I'm so glad that now I come to the house of God and I come with you. So this, uh, this scripture that I'm talking about is parable of the sower. And I know a lot of you, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I'm going to tell you something about this when I read it. So let's go to Matthew 13. We're going to start at verse 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon the stony places where they had not much earth, and they forthwith they sprung up because they had no depthness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, and some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. And verse 9 says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And let's skip down to verse 19 because this is where Jesus explains to his disciples because they're like, what does this even mean? So he's explaining, he's starting in verse 19 and he says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then comes the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Sorry, I just want to make sure I do the right thing. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received the word among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and become unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth in some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And I always thought in this parable that this was about the people. I don't know, maybe you all didn't think this way, but for 22 years I thought this is all about the people. It's about they that were here and they that were there. And I was studying, and I had come across some commentary, and, and it's really about the soil. It's really about the soil. And so, 
this guy also made a comment, and it made so much sense to me because he made the point that all of us find ourselves in these areas in life. There's times we feel so strong, the Word of God finds its mark in our spirit, and it all seems well with the world. But then there may be a time when it feels like we're walking through some rocky places. In our lives, it can be a tough place. And then there comes some times where we feel like we're walking in the thorns, and all the things of life hit us from every direction, and it chokes out the good in our lives, chokes out the Word. And the care, when it says the care of life, it means distraction when you look it up, and there's plenty of that out there. I don't know about you, but it's easy to be distracted at times. And then there are other times you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and ain't going anywhere. And it feels like the devil's right around every corner snatching up everything that you think is, is coming as good. But the amazing thing that I noticed when I was reading this is during this whole time in every one of these places, the sower is sowing in every one of them. You know, when you go to sow a garden, you don't throw your seed where you know it's not going to grow. Do you? You know, when I was young, we used to go picking rocks in the fields. you got to pick the rocks out because if you don't, you can't keep it tilled. So you're not going to sow seed in rocky places. So I asked myself, why is the seed, why would God, as Jesus said, he God's the sower. Why is he sowing the seed, which is the word, into every one of these places that he's saying? And I think it's because he knows that we're in every one of these places at some point of our life. And at 23 years ago, I can say I was at a rocky place. But he was still sowing the seed, so his word was still there. And there's a couple of times I actually went, when I was 16 years old, I went to an apostolic home church. And back, it's just in a house in West Bend, Wisconsin. I remember it very vividly. Three and a half hours worth of service in a house church. It was, but you know, I, I have no idea what the man said. But I remembered how they worshiped. It was so different from how I grew up. It was like, wow, this is just, you know, I think that's what sowed the seed in my life way back then that there was more. You know, and I wasn't in any place. I would say in that point of my life, I was on the wayside. I had no idea where I was going. I had no plan for my life. But the Word was still there. And I look at that as... He never left us without hope. No matter where we found ourselves, we're never without hope. And it's easy to get ourselves entangled, and this is where we go back to our Scripture text, it's easier to get entangled and distracted, and it's easy to neglect even for one season because of something that comes up. Get an illness. Get, you know, I, I, people get told of an illness and... and their whole life changes. Their whole time schedule changes. Now they're having to go to the hospital all the time. And it doesn't take long before something gets neglected that's not as important as something else. And that old nature is always going to try to come and reclaim you back into the world. 
The devil's never going to stop. You're never going to come to a point that it never tries to get you. It's not going to happen. He's never going to quit. He wants to entangle us in the lifeless branches that choke out the Word and steal our hope. The Bible tells us we've all fallen short of the glory of God, so we're all in the same field. And we need to tend to our area, but it's hard to do once you're there because sometimes you ask yourself, like we did with those houses, how did, I, how did it get here? How did that little season I went through, because I've been through these seasons, how did that season that I went through make me neglect something I never thought I'd neglect? And once you're there, you're like, I don't know how I got here. I don't even know how to get started to get back. How did it get this far? But he still doesn't leave us without hope. And in this, I was studying in Hosea 10, verse 12, it says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. And I know this is a Scripture, Old Testament Scripture, And at this time, Hosea happens in a time just prior to Israel being taken into captivity. And the prophet, as most of us know, is married to an adulterous woman named Gomer. Which God uses this as a prophetic sign to demonstrate the unending love of God even when they reject Him. And the amazing thing to me is that Hosea repeatedly urges them to repent and reminds them of God's past goodness towards them. And I thought we need to remember when we're walking through those valleys and we're in the rocky places and the times where the thorns seem to choke out things from our life that God's still the same God. He hadn't changed. As we look just a few verses after our Scripture text, this is 2 Peter. Chapter 3, this is just a few verses away from our Scripture text. He tells us that He's stirring up our pure minds by the way of remembrance. It's a common theme that the way we get ourselves out of these entangled areas of our lives or times we're walking in the valley or times we feel like we're in those areas that I'm talking about, that we can remember what God has done throughout all of our past. He's faithful. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. You know, and I think every trial, think back in your mind when you're going through a trial, do you ever, it's just not natural, but you, we have to look and we have to think, God, how many trials has God taken us out of? How many times has He stepped in we thought there's no way that it's ever going to happen, and He comes anyway. So, I'm going to give a little personal testimony about a situation that I prayed about, and it's one of our children when we were fostering and we were going to adopt. There was this lady. It was actually the lady. It's just such a long story, and I'm going to really break it down short for you guys tonight, but um, she had all the money. She didn't take care of the child. It was drug money is what it was, but she still had the money. And somehow, 
over and over again that we were thinking, okay, this, this test is over and we're going to be able to adopt this child. It was just something else. It was always something else. It was somebody either she had some pull with or, or something. And we were thinking, and they were basically giving us no hope that this was ever going to transpire. And so we, we do what people do that live for God. We said, you know what, we're going to pray about this. And we, we, I made a specific prayer. And the specific prayer was, because we knew what this lady was doing, but she never would get caught. And I said, God, if it's your will that, this, that we get to adopt this child, you let that lady get caught doing what she's doing. And when I say it wasn't 24 hours after I made that prayer, this lady got caught doing what she was doing. And she got caught doing what she was doing in a way that was a federal offense. And within days, that trial was over. Just like that. Something that we thought was impossible. And so, this came back to me because my wife is very good at journaling. I'm not great at journaling. I I want to be, but I'm not as good as she is at it. But listen, she puts everything in there. She'll put what the trial is. She'll put what she prayed or what I prayed. And she always goes back and put what happened from that prayer. And during these times, we look back through that journal and we can see every single thing that we ever brought before God that we were so worried about that we thought there was no answer. And every single time... We got the answer. He never failed. Never fell through. You know, so that we ask ourselves, why do we worry so much about today? You know, I'm in a place right now, hey, I'm at a trial. Aren't we all? Like, ugh. Is this going to work? Y'all might not know what I'm talking about, but I'm thinking, is this going to work? And then we look back through this, we're like, well, of course it's going to work if we just keep God first. And we remember what He's done. So, there's this climber. I'm studying for this, and it's going to seem like I'm going around Robin, but I'm not. There's a point behind all this. There's this climber named Kenton Cool, And I was, he did a, this is on a podcast, and it was actually one that you could, it was a visual podcast. So I was watching this guy, and he's talking, and he, he was climbing with a friend, and he was climbing on a mountain. It wasn't Mount Everest, but it was the mountain right next door to it. And they had gotten word, you know, they, they, raid, they carry radios up there, obviously, and they got word that there was a climber in distress, and they just wanted people to look out. They're like, if you see a tent, check the tent, see if you can find this guy. So this guy named Kenton actually went up to a tent, and he unzipped it, and he found that guy. The guy was unconscious. He was still slightly breathing, but he was completely unconscious, and he was suffering from swelling on the brain and fluid in the lungs from the high altitude. And so with the radios, they found out from a doctor down that he needed this steroid shot in order to help him in this situation. What so happened while they were discussing this, two more climbers had come and found them also, and one of them happened to be a paramedic. So they gave this guy his shot, and it had a dramatic effect on this guy, and he come to and he was conscious, and he, was, he said he was pretty coherent, 
But it was about dark, and he said, you know, we can't go down right now. So Kenton said, I'm going to stay in this tent with this guy. And in the morning, they're going to go down and bring him down and get him some help or have somebody bring him down. And he was climbing with another guy, so he went to another tent. So this guy's in this tent with this guy. And every 20 minutes, he's waking up. And at some point, he said he, he dozed off and he didn't wake up. And when he came to, it was pitch black outside. It was cold. And he realized the guy's not breathing. So immediately, he's like, oh, what am I going to do? And, he's, and he goes and he starts CPR. And, and, and he said he probably, he thinks over an hour of CPR. I, I've never done CPR for over an hour, just a little bit. I mean, it was, it's a test on your body. And... For over, and then he stopped for a little bit, and then he's like, oh, I can't give up on this guy because he can't die on my watch. And he's taken this very serious. So he goes back, and he does some more. Next thing he knows, he's, he stops again, and this guy's head's in his lap. He's still not breathing. It's, been, it's almost daylight. And he hears, you know, in the snow, he hears the crunching of some boots. He knows somebody's coming up or something. And so somebody opens the tent, and it's his, it's his buddy. And he looks in, and, he, and he's, he's just like, you know, Kenton is just, he's devastated. He's devastated. You can imagine. He's worked all night. He feels, he said in his podcast, I mean, I'm weeping with the guy, and my wife can attest to it. I'm, if I think about it, I'll do it again, because he's weeping, and he's, and he's saying, I bore some responsibility to this guy, and he says to his friend, he's like, what do we do? And, and it, it's going to sound like the craziest thing in the world. And his friend says, we need to climb. And he's like, man, I can't climb. I can't climb. This guy just died on my watch. I, I feel like I'm responsible, kind of is what he's saying. And, and he's crying. I mean, in, in the podcast, he's just he's apologizing constantly. And I'm like, and all I could think about, because I'd been in prayer, I'd been in prayer about this. And all I could think about when I was listening to this guy, it was so strange because all I could think about was Jesus. And I was thinking about when humanity was laid in his lap. We're lost. And I was thinking about myself. Lost in my sin. Didn't know anything about God. And I was thinking when he was in the garden, and this is the time I was thinking because it came to me, the first drops of blood were not on the cross. They were in the garden. When he was in agony over us, overtaking that cup with all the sin of every one of us, that was he was agonizing in the garden. And that's where his first drops of blood were spilt. And I was thinking, and I read something that said the agony in Gethsemane led to the victory at Calvary. And I was thinking, okay, we're dying in our sin, and he had to go through all this, and then he still had to climb to endure the cross. He had to go on. And what this guy said is, I realized my friend was not climbing for himself because his friend's like, well, I really wanted to climb this mountain. He said, but what I realized is he was climbing for me. Because if I would have stayed where I was at, if we would have stayed where we were at, 
He would have never climbed again. He wouldn't have made it. That's who our God is. Even after all that, He still bore the cross, made the climb, endured the cross and all the shame for our sins. Oh, what a God we serve. And every time we turn around and we run into a trial, and we're, his, we're God's children, and every time we run into a trial, the devil's trying to say, he ain't going to do that for you. We know that ain't true. Why would he go through all this and then say, well, you're going through your trial, but, you know, too bad. He will come through. Because if we look back on our life, we, it proves it. Every time we look in Scripture, it proves it. Even when Israel forgot him over and over and over, he always made a way. It's always hope. And the last part that I want to share that this guy said is so amazing to me. I'm actually closing with this. I got a few more things, but I'm, I'm getting close. And I know it's early, but I feel like I'm getting my point across. The last part I want to share is what he said. He said, he said, when you put together a team that always knows what you need in a time of crisis, you need to remember that. This, this is us bearing responsibility. And we bear responsibility for each other. Galatians 6 and 2, it says it. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We don't just have God. And God's enough. But He gives us each other to remind each other, hey... Of who he is. This isn't just us, one person in God, it's everybody. And God assembled that team. You don't even have to worry about it. But you still have to, you have to, it matters who you surround yourself around. It does make a difference. And so I'm going back and I was thinking the last point I wanted to make, because we talked about. That house, and we talked about how neglected it was. I didn't know if you ever found... I was going to have him put a picture of a house that was just abandoned and neglected. Is it up there? Okay. You know, and you look at that, and you're like... Like we said, you say, how did it get, how did it get to this point? I think it helps us in two ways. It helps us when we're dealing with our brothers because... You know, I may be riding high right now and, and God may have just answered this huge prayer for me and my faith is really high. And I'm one of those people I talked about that it's, oh, it feels like God's just, you can just feel Him everywhere. But then what about the guy that's like Job that says, I look to the left and I look to the right and I can't, I can't see Him, I can't feel Him. I've been there times too. I think we all have. We all go through those times. You know, and when you're high in your faith, I think God does that on purpose. There's, you know, opposites attract type of thing. 
I think God expects us we bear our burdens of one another so that when you're high in your faith and God's answering, you can speak to me at my lowest point and remind me of who God is and how great He is and how vast He is and how there's nothing too big, there's nothing too small. He answers them all. Every one of them. And I think of places like this, and, I, and when I went to places to do cleanup, I'm like, where do we even get started? And you can stand with me if you will, if you have a moment, if you want to. How do you get started? Because what we're talking about tonight is reclaiming territory. Things that got neglected, not on purpose. I'm not talking necessarily about sin. It just happens. Life happens. Things happen. I remember hearing that message of um, Brother Jeff Mallory. I still remember the title, Walking Through the Valley Picking Up Stones. The man was in the valley of his life. And the way they got through it was walking when they were walking through the valley, picking up stones, and he had stones all across this altar. I don't know if you all remember. It was in the old building. I was here. And they were turned upside down, and, and one of our daughters, Ms. Harmony, actually, she had epilepsy. Mallory remembers it. <laughs> um, it was bad. And, and, you know, we was praying about it. We didn't know what to do. And she went up, she wanted to go pick a stone up, and she picked a stone up, and that stone was healing. And from that night, she never had another seizure. Never had another one. Isn't God good? And that was in her journal. That was another one that was in her journal. So how do you get started? One prayer at a time. You know, it seems daunting... The task can seem hard. You may be, you know, maybe you stepped away. But you know what? God will reward every effort. And maybe it's not you walked away at all. Maybe you just haven't, you know, maybe God's just confirming some things because sometimes He puts us through those trials and those tests to confirm some things. And maybe you're there. But it still seems like, how do I get past this? And it's just one prayer at a time. So if we'll just lift our hands, I just want to give that opportunity. I need it. Everyone in here, we need it. Every day. It doesn't matter if you're riding high right now. Great. Extend your hands in faith for somebody that's not. And let's just seek God for just a few minutes tonight. Because I know that one thing He wants us to get out is there's always hope. His Word, His seed is always in every place that we're at, every place we find ourselves. God, I thank You, Lord, for putting Your seed everywhere in my life, even when I didn't know. God, the times that I was not doing what I knew I needed to do, God. Lord, and I'm thankful, Lord, that you brought us through all the trials and all the tests. And we're looking back right now through our past. And we're looking and saying, I know that you can answer and I know that you will. 
And if you have a situation tonight, link up with a brother. Link up with a sister. Let them pray. Let them connect faith with your faith. Oh, hallelujah. Help us to take back that territory. The territory the devil thought he stole. It's still yours, God, and it can still be reclaimed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I thank you for every answered prayer, God. Oh, every testimony in this room. That's what you said. That's how we're going to feed the devil is our testimony. The word of our testimony and the blood that Jesus shed. God, the blood that you shed. That's exactly how we're going to win. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Maybe God's reminding somebody right now. This church is here. I read, I'm just going to say this. If you're coming and praying, keep praying. If you look in that book, in that prayer room right there, you're going to see many times that this man right here prayed some prayers in this city. And it's astounding how God answered every single time fulfilled every need so that we can be in this place right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, increase our faith tonight.